1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter and on the Carving It Up YouTube channel as well as the Grid YouTube channel. I am Bryson Carver, as always, and we have got a jam, I mean jam-packed show. On this Monday, didn't do a show last Friday. Trust me, the topics filled in themselves. That crazy national title game yesterday between LSU and Iowa. For a game that in the second half never got closer than seven, Iowa tried to you know make a comeback attempt. LSU was obviously the better team. Highly entertaining. You had incredible shot making on both sides. Obviously, I'm going to lead the show off with the Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark situation in just a second. Uh, I also get to the men's national title game is tonight. Yukon, San Diego State. Uh, 920, I believe, is tip-off time. Eastern on CBS. I will predict my bracket is absolute dead meat. Forget about it. Dunzo. I mean, I I might I know I had San Diego State going the sweet 16. Uh, and UConn, I might have had going out in round one or two. I can't even remember. It was it was a bad bracket, okay? It's bad. But I feel good about my, my prediction tonight. I feel good. Uh, shout out to Jim Nance, by the way, his last uh, national title game he's doing. Shout out to him. Also, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, know, but Andrew Wiggins is back with the Golden State Warriors. I'll get into that as why why it makes the Warriors uh, the title favorites. Yes, you heard me correctly. The title favorites with his return. Uh, also, not to Mitch Wells, we got, oh, the pitch clock in Major League Baseball. Everybody's freaking out about the pitch clock, and uh, I've got some numbers here to, to back up the fact that It has been amazing for Major League Baseball. I'll get to that. As well as the Los Angeles Lakers are officially championship contenders. I'm all in on them. They're legit. Albeit they beat the Houston Rockets last night. But that's not the only thing I'm focused on. I'll get into that uh, later in the show. So again, loaded show on tap. I cannot wait. So let's dive right in. Yesterday afternoon, in what was, according to ESPN, who broke the news 15 minutes before we went live here. So thanks to ESPN PR and Twitter. The most watched women's college game of all time. 9.9 million viewers peaked at average 9.9 million viewers, peaked at 12.6 million most viewed ever, a most viewed college event ever on ESPN plus safe to say people were tuned in to see what was going to happen between the LSU Tigers and the Iowa Hawkeyes in the women's national title game. Now for the record, the tournament was outstanding as a whole. You had a number of upsets, Uh, Miami, Made a nice run, uh, both in the men's and women's bracket. Uh, you had obviously the stunning rise of Caitlin Clark. Listen, I knew about her. I talked about her on the show numerous times on the uh, on, on you know on carving up live. But the whole country got to see. Kid is legit on legit on legit for Iowa. You got to see Iowa do what they. Uh, I'm sorry, you got to see LSU doing what they're doing. South Carolina was going for back-to-back titles, undefeated up until Iowa beat them in that crazy game Friday when Caitlin Clark went for her second straight 41-point game, following up a 41-point triple-double against Louisville. And safe to say, the stars came out to play. Angel Reese got another double-double, set the women's record for most double-doubles of all time. Caitlin Clark did her thing, poured in 30 points. Some of her teammates came along for the ride. Um, but really, the star of the show for uh, for LSU was the shooting guard. Uh, let, me, let me make sure I'm getting her name right, because she was outstanding hitting. I think she scored 19 the second half uh, for the Tigers. Uh, let's see. It was, uh, hold on. Yeah, Alexis Morris. Alexis Morris, number 45 for uh, for LSU, was hitting big shots. You had come off the bench. It was uh, uh, Yeah, Jasmine Carson, who was 7-for-7 seven seven in the first half hit that bank shot at the end of the half, which was like, okay, it kind of felt like it was LSU's day after that. Of course, what everybody's talking about today is, unfortunately, not the game, not the uh, usual sideline antics from head coach Kim Mulkey, not the incredible shot making by Caitlin Clark, some of her teammates and the LSU players, not even a pretty poorly officiated game on both sides, if I do say so myself, it was an incident that happened late in the game. So we will play the video for you right now. So there's there's Angel Reese of LSU, okay, all American. She's pointing to a ring finger, and then right there, she's going to Caitlin Clark doing the John Cena You Can't See Me. And the funny thing is, Caitlin Clark did the exact same thing against Louisville in the Elite Eight. Again, we'll show it again, the ring finger, and then you'll see the you can't see me, which again, Caitlin Clark did the exact same thing in the Elite Eight against the Louisville Cardinals. What I find amusing about the media's reaction to it, about much of the public's reaction to it, is just the, oh, the clutching pearls, the outrage. How could Angel Reese be so, I don't know, celebrating a championship? There's three factors at play that I think are sort of causing the domino effect. In the outrage over what Angel Reese did yesterday. The first one is that ah, uh, you you gotta win with class. You gotta, you gotta, you know, sh- you can't show up the opposition when, by the way, Caitlin Clark is probably the only trash talker outside of Angel Reese that, you know, in, in terms of women college basketball. Like, I mean, she goes at teams, she talks her, you know what teams i mean she was telling that one player for louisville shut up you're down 15 when there was three minutes left you i showed there she did, you can't see me she she's intense i mean I, I think she was talking about you know trying to have the mama mentality and all that if you dish it you can take it and for the record as well caitlin clark uh was not offended after the game that's why i always get a kick out of is when people get mad at something talk about it's offensive and then the quote-unquote victim, is not offended, which Caitlin Clark was not. The second thing at play here, and definitely what I wanted to touch on, is the clear sexism going on here. Yes, yes, it is sexism. Because we see all of these great male athletes, whether it be, let's say, Tiger Woods, Sinks One, and Augusta is pumping... His fist, less choice language, pumping his fist. Let's go. Or LeBron gets an M1, urgh, flexing, flex on the crowd, right? You, you, you got, uh, you know, the silencer that LeBron brought out against my Warriors in 2014. Steph Curry with the shimmy or the, you know, he did the night night last year. All these different celebrations. Uh, had, you know, Justin Jefferson hitting the gritty in the end zone after touchdowns. D- Aaron Rodgers back in the day, the discount double check. Yeah. But, Angel Reese shows a little bit of a little bit of emotion. Celebrating a little bit. Oh, can't do that. That's no, funny. Her almost exact, this first example isn't exact to a T, but it's along the same lines. And I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what it is for the podcast audience, those who are listening. We've had plenty of quote unquote ring celebrations, or ring me as it's become known, in sports over the course of not just the last few years, but back in the day. But just recently, another LSU athlete, three years ago, Joe Burrow, who had the greatest season of any college quarterback ever. Third quarter through a touchdown pass, or fourth quarter might have been, through a touchdown pass against Clemson. Put that ring on me now. He's pointing to the ring finger. Last year in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56, Rams beat the Bengals. Aaron Donald made the last play at the end, ironically, on Joe Burrow. Put that ring on me now. See him holding the helmet, pointing to the ring? Just four months later in the 2022 NBA Finals, my man Wardell Stephen Curry II hit a, a deep three against the Boston Celtics in the third quarter. And he's flashing it. He's, get, put, put that ring on me now. Ring me, as they say. And even the man himself. One Michael Jordan. held up the six fingers. In 1998. What's the difference? Why are we angered at this, but not angered at this? Why does that bother us? Or the u not seem you shouldn't do that. Kalen Clark did the same thing too, to Louisville. And talk a lot of trash about Iowa. And you know my rules about trash talking. I got no issue with it. If you back it up, I think it's safe to say that the national champions today won fairly comfortably in the national title game. There's really never even in doubt from about late second quarter on. Yeah, they backed it up. They backed up what they were saying. They backed up the trash talk. And Angel Reese is a champion today. She earned that right. And the third one, people don't like to hear this, but it's true. i a lot of people of my... Of my complexion, be very uh, hesitant to say this. Yes, racism is at play. Need I remind you once again that Caitlin Clark flashed the same celebration to Louisville? Again, uh, here's the celebration by by Angel Reese, and you're about to see the the celebration against uh, Louisville that you can't see me that Caitlin Clark showed. What? What's the difference? She's doing it, looking directly into the eye, clearly doing it at a player. Angel Reese is doing the exact same thing. We vilify, historically at least, black athletes for being a little braggadocious, if you will. Essentially saying, I beat you. Not only did I beat you, I in some ways humiliated you, embarrassed you, dominated you. And I'm going to let you know about it. And we have an issue with that. So what Andy Angel Reese said after the game, talking about I'm um, unapologetically me, not going to change for anybody else. I, I talk all the time on this show about be like you know I, I've met new podcasters through social media over the course of the last few years, and I'm, I'm not trying to paint this as I'm, I'm this guy who just gives advice all the time. But anytime somebody's asked me, I'm like, only thing I can tell you, be yourself. It sounds cheesy, it sounds cliche, be authentic to you. Because you present a perspective, you have a certain set of gifts that other people don't have. Angel Reese is a unique personality. She's outspoken, she's dominant on the court, and lets you know about it. Why do we have an issue with that? Again, I think race plays a factor. Without question, gender plays a factor. I mean, remember all those years ago, the 2019 U.S. Women's National Team? Oh, we we got so outraged at Mega doing the, the celebration, lifting the arms wide. Look at me. And then uh, Alex Morgan. I'll never forget this. The T-sip against England. Oh, how could she? But if, you know, Steph Curry is literally dancing, bumping into guys, you know, or LeBron is flexing right at a guy. Or Tiger Woods, in a sport that is not exactly known for celebrations, golf, is pumping his fist. Yeah! Which, for the record, by the way, like I said, don't have an issue with it. I love it. It adds a bravado. It adds energy. It adds excitement to sports. Because think about it. If you or me were in that position, think about if you were Angel Reese. You've worked your whole life. Angel Reese had to transfer to LSU. She is an underdog to a certain degree. She certainly is more than Caitlin Clark. I would argue. Caitlin Clark, you could argue, well, size plays factor, and the fact that Iowa's not exactly known for being a women's college basketball powerhouse. Although I'd argue LSU, could, you could say the same about. But be that as it may, Caitlin really isn't that much of an underdog. Those who follow college basketball on the men's and women's side have known for a while she's really good. Like this was, I wouldn't say. This, the way she played as well as she did, was expected, but we figured she was going to show up and do what she did. Angel Reese, nobody nobody saw LSU coming this year in terms of, hey, this team, you know, on April 2nd is going to be the national champions. And yet here they are. Listen, I'm not a Kim Mulkey fan by any stretch of the imagination. I think the fact she didn't take up for one of her own players, Brittany Griner, during that situation was uncalled for. But I can't deny, she's a four-time champion. She's clearly a fantastic head coach. But I just, I I have an issue with, again, put yourself in that position. You've worked your whole life. Everybody said all this about you, doubted you, said you couldn't do it. And yet, here you sit. Pretty soon, she is going to be fitted for a championship ring. Congratulations to the LSU Tigers women's college basketball national champions for the very first time in their history it's another win for the sec where as we say it just means more hats off to iowa on a fantastic season as well it's sports this is why we love it this is what makes it great this double standards at play really bother me again when you become a champion you can say any and everything you want short of like taking like, listen, if <clears throat> if Angel Reese had like flipped her off, gave her the bird or if she'd said something about her family or, okay, that's different. That's crossing the line. She's saying, I got a ring. Okay, you don't. And by the way, all that smack talk you were doing about our, our uh, SEC counterpart, South Carolina, all this talk you you've been doing, hey, I can talk too. Just want to let you know that. I don't do double standards well. I just, that's, that's not my thing. So, hats off to I won a great season. Hats off to LSU, the national champions in 2023. Angel Reese can say whatever the heck you want. Because today, you are a champion. Any champion can say whatever they want. That's so why, again, I always circle back. Somehow or another, it circles back to my Warriors. Why do you think the Warriors celebrated the way they did in 2022? Because they had to hear for three years. You're done. <laughs> you, your run is over. Steph Curry, come on. He's not going to lead you to any championships. Wiggins, I'm going to talk about Andrew Wiggins later in the show. Andrew Wiggins yeah, he is a bad basketball player once said. And Draymond Green, he's, he doesn't score a lot. And Clay can't come back from the injuries. And when, when they won the championship and they said, what are they going to say now? They celebrated that one unlike they'd celebrated the previous three before. Certain titles just mean more. And this one certainly means a lot to LSU. Congrats. And by the way, like I said, uh, and and I hit on this sort of a little bit of a change of subject from, you know, sticking with this game, obviously. And I put this on social media. I, I don't even think it's arguable. The shot making in women's college basketball right now is head and shoulders. Above the men's, yeah, sure. Maybe the men give you flashier dunks and uh, you know uh, certain things. Maybe maybe greater athletic plays from time to time. Maybe it's just because the fact that when I play pickup, I'm the shooter, and that because that's really all I can do. It's not like I can bring a whole lot of size and physicality to the table. Maybe it's just the relatability factor. But what Carson did in the first half, what? Uh, what Alexis did in the second half, scoring 19, actually outscored Caitlin Clark in the second half. When Caitlin Clark has done all tournament long, by the way, becoming the all-time single tournament leader for points. She, she got in like the 180s, 190s, if I'm not mistaken. The previous record before that was 177. That's, that's, what I, that's what I loved about this tournament more than anything else. The shot-making ability from both teams and really from all the teams in this tournament. Head and shoulders by the men's, in my view. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got a comment. Jamel Crothers. What's up, Jamel? Had him on the show on our March Madness special. Jamel says women are more skilled and put a lot into their games. So true in what you're saying. Again, pe- people got to, you know, people say, oh, nobody watches women's basketball. The rating says otherwise. Okay. And that's that's something else too. People are kind of showing themselves. I mean, if if you are really, I mean, I, I've seen some people. I'm gonna I'm gonna call some people out. Danny Cannell, Keith Olberman, okay, people out there. Uh, I mean, s- shouting profanities towards a 20 year old celebrating a championship. It's like if this really bothers you that much, I want to get a therapist. I think you got bigger problems in your life. But I think what's great about women's college basketball as well. People talking, they don't watch it just about every TV show that I've watched today, radio show that I've listened to, has led off the show, their show with this game. Evidently, a lot of people watched, okay? That's, I mean, I'll tell you this. I did not lead off last year with South Carolina winning the Women's National Championship. Caitlin Clark got us to a TV. LSU helped us stay there. Skill that was on display in that court last night was phenomenal. Cannot wait to see where these two program. Listen, I don't know how the college basketball scheduling process works. Can we please get LSU and Iowa next year? Can somebody please schedule that, that uh, an early season out of conference game? Please, oh, we got to see it. We we that because listen, it's no guarantee that these two have faced each other the national title game again. They could certainly they have the talent, the personnel, and the coaching to do so. But we got to get this game next season. We we got to get another edition of of LSU Iowa. It's phenomenal. And so, it just it just bothers me the double standard. It really does. Okay, so I want to shift to to Major League Baseball for a moment because, you know, and by the way, sorry, man, I feel a little bit hoarse in my throat. So if that, you know, if that shows in the mic, uh, or or if it sounds that way in the mic, I apologize. But I don't think there's a set of fans in any sport. I'm not talking about teams. I'm t- talking about a, a, a select group of fans. That bothers me more than old school baseball fans. Like the stuck in the past baseball fans. Um, everybody freaked out. All the old timers freaked out. When the pitch clock was instituted this past offseason by Major League Baseball. Talking about oh you're you're ruining the game you are essentially uh, putting something in place that is going to hurt the product of uh you know hurt the the quality of the product. Uh, it's funny after opening weekend it's been actually quite the opposite. So it's been three four games or every team has played yeah every team has played three games thus far uh, to start their season. And I just wanted to give a little look into how the, sh- how the pitch clock has positively impacted Major League Baseball when you compare last year's opening weekend to this year's. So let's look at the numbers last year. Three key stats, in my view, that reflect the impact of the pitch clock. Okay, so in 2022 opening weekend, time of game, three hours, nine minutes. The, average, the batting average in opening weekend across Major League Baseball in 2022 Batted The players batted about 230 on average. And the players combined stole 29 bases. Compare that to this year. Time of game goes from 3 hours and 9 minutes to 2 hours and 38 minutes. Basically a half hour shaved off. Batting average goes up from 230 to 245. And most important in my view, stolen bases skyrockets from 29 to 70 the notion that the pitch clock was going to hurt Major League Baseball is heavily, was heavily, overblown. Just because it doesn't fit the certain box of tradition, and I talk about this all the time at the Hall of Fame. Anytime the MLB Hall of Fame goes up, it just just automatically gets me mad. I don't get mad about stuff. Baseball Hall of Fame makes me mad. Because of certain individuals that have not been allowed to enter it for petty reasons. But the narrative, the notion... That this change that baseball desperately needed, desperately. I mean, haven't we complained very often over the last three, four years-ish that there's too many strikeouts, too much of an emphasis on the home run ball, and not enough emphasis on just getting on base, right? Getting more action around, uh, around, around the bases, you know. Get, getting guys in position to score runs. By the way, people freaking out. Oh, the pitch clock violations. The 49 games that were players, 49 or 50 games. I want to make sure I'm getting this correct because I don't want to, I don't want to butcher this. I want to get all the numbers right. Uh, the, okay, 50 games that were played have been played thus far, uh, going into today's games, the first 50 games opening weekend. Okay. You had, uh, uh, you had an average of 0.8 pitch clock violations per game, less than one. And the reality is it's going to go down because, listen, players are adjusting. Pitchers certainly are adjusting. Hitters are adjusting. Managers are adjusting. It's going to be a process where guys are going to have to learn the new rules. Guys are going to have to learn how to maneuver the pitch clock. In some cases, maybe how to manipulate it. I mean, there's, there's a relief pitcher for the Yankees to a certain degree has kind of done that with his windup. I have no issue with it. It's it's under the rules. You do what you got to do to be successful. You adjust. That's what the great ones do in any industry, in any sport. And so, zero point eight is going to go down. That's just, this is reality of the situation. So, I, I it just it bothers me that people are so are so stuck in the past about it's got to be played this way. Why? Part of the reason we love so many of these other great sports. Why basketball has been so popular for the longest time. Why soccer is incredibly popular. Uh, certainly worldwide, but even increasingly in the United States. Why football is so popular. At least the great teams in football are so well liked. The Chiefs, for example. One word, four letters. PACE. It's why, and I have no, nothing against the San Antonio Spurs dynasty from 99 to 2014. They won five championships in 15 years. That's incredible. Tim Duncan, to me, is the sixth greatest player of all time. They were kind of boring. They, they weren't a team that necessarily just killed you on pace. That's why people to this day talk about the Showtime Lakers of the 80s, and at times the Bulls, who did play a little bit of a slower game of basketball, but to a certain degree, listen, when they got on transition, look out. Jordan could dunk on your head. Pippen could dunk on your head. Okay? That, that, that was what was so exciting. Remember the Pippen dunk on, on Patrick Ewing all those years ago? In soccer you could say the same and in football. Would you rather watch the Kansas City Chiefs or I don't know, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore's a well-run franchise, but a little bit too married to the run game. Little too much of an emphasis on trying to beat them in the trenches, which matters but it doesn't always win you Super Bowls. Matter of fact, in the last four years, uh, the four, last four Super Bowl champions, only one has been in the top 20 in rush yards average per game. That was the Chiefs last year. I think it was the Chiefs in 2019. I can't remember. I think it was last year. But point being, run game is not as, as important, not even close to as important now as it used to be. Pace of play. The game's changed. Basketball's changed. Football's changed. Soccer's changed. And Major League Baseball kind of been just Stale. Yes, we have Shoei Otani to shake things up, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I think the sport has done a horrendous job of marketing this once in a generation talent. But we needed something to shake things up in terms of getting more people to the ballparks, more runs, more guys on base. That's what we want to see. We want to see more actions. I'm sorry. Give me a 10 to 9 baseball game over a one to nothing baseball game any day of the week. Those one nothing games have their place. Those no hitters have their place. But I, I think I saw one team had like 30 hits or something on opening day. It'll correct itself. This notion that it's going to hurt the sport? No, quite the contrary. It is going to help the sport by, by a, a margin that I don't think we can even really comprehend. Of all the major commissioners, I've been the most critical of Rob Manfred, I think for good reason. I think the lockout last year was a disaster. I think uh, some of the things he did, I mean, we're not even sure, based on quotes in the past, how much he really even cares that much about the game of baseball, as opposed to Goodell in the NFL and Silver in the NBA, who I think are clearly the two best commissioners. Hats off, Rob Manfred. You did something that actually helped the game. It helped the pace of the game, and it helped the overall product of the game. And it made it more watchable, as reflected in the ratings, in the numbers, And what we got to see either at the ballparks or on television. Baseball finally seems to be going in the right direction. Finally. Patrick Brown, what's up, Patrick? The host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast and the Forum Podcast, a Lakers show. I'll get to the Lakers later in the show. Uh, Patrick says, adjustments can be made. I believe it'll be just fine. Baseball games are going to be faster and won't be as enduring. And that's the thing, too, is... I remember when, and I gave, I'm not an A-Rod fan, but I, I gave him all the props to the world for kind of standing up and saying this. I remember this, it's 2023, so four and a half years ago when my Red Sox faced the Dodgers in the World Series, and we smoked them, by the way. But in game three, when it went 18 innings, remember that? Well, maybe you didn't stay up and watch it. If so, good decision on your part. But remember the game went 18 innings, It was like seven and a half hours long. I I mean, I watched every second of it because I'm a Red Sox fan. It's the World Series, for crying out loud. But Eastern time, the game ended at like 3.30 in the morning. It was a disaster. I mean, it was almost like a sigh of relief when Max Muncy hit the walk-off homer off my man Nathan Ivaldi. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm pissed that we lost, but thank God this is over. And everybody's talking about all the history of it. It's the longest game. Look at all the pitching matchups. And I remember A-Rod came out the next day. He's like, this is terrible for baseball. This is awful. By the way, something else baseball did? They got rid of the shift finally. The shift takes away hits, takes away action, takes away base runners. It seems to be a new day and age where baseball's kind of catching up to everybody else in that they're evolving off of something that was clearly a problem. By the way, NBA NBA games, about two and a half hours long. College basketball games, about two hours long. You say, well, NFL games are three and a half hours long. It's one game a week. On a weekend, for that matter, on Sunday or Monday, depending on when, you know, when, when the, your team is playing. Baseball, it's six out of seven nights. Baseball, it's Seven o'clock game ends at like ten ten thirty. That you know that that's not great for the fans on a Wednesday night. They can do it on a Friday a night and a Saturday night, and even a Sunday night. you know for the Sunday night baseball game, but it's it's tough for 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 the fan base and for the organization to keep up with that. And so, I listen, I'm, I'm just glad baseball finally made a change that uh, has been needed for quite some time. They've tested it in other – I think they tested it in the minors not that long ago. I know other baseball leagues have tried it. It worked. Baseball's like, okay, it works for them. Why, you know, why can't it work for us? And it has. So I'm glad to see it. So I want to shift to the NBA because, you know, <laughs> I kind of have gotten a kick out of all season the – complete overreaction to the Golden State Warriors not having quite the season that we all envision they might have. At least the regular season that we all envision they might have. And a matter of fact, they lost last night. Watched every dribble. Lost last night to the Denver Nuggets. I think it was 115-113 was, it was the final score. I want to make sure I'm getting it right. I'm sorry. No. It was off a little bit. One twelve, one ten. I remember Denver one by two. Golden State made a great push at the end. Clay hit some crazy shots, but he missed the three that would have won at the end and Denver pulled away with no Nikola Jokic. And people are freaking out about that fact, to which I say, first of all, it kind of Does it hurt Jokic's case for MVP a little bit that his team is looking pretty good without him? Listen, Denver's the one seed for a reason. Jokic is amazing, but Jamal Murray is really good. Michael Porter Jr., who had a big night last night, is a very good basketball player, and the role players they have in Denver are good. I think Michael Malone is an underrated coach. That's a good basketball team with an impossible home court.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: And so they're the sixth seed as we sit in the loss column. They are tied with the Clippers, Lakers, and Pelicans. So this to be a crazy finish down the stretch. And I already, for reasons that I'll get into later in the segment, I already wasn't that bothered by the loss, at least as much as Warriors. Uh, a lot of Warriors fans were. <laughs> And then my day about, let me make sure, I think it was around 12.30 Eastern time, it was somewhere around that time uh, where the announcement was made by one of the great insiders in the history of major American professional sports. Uh, yeah, here we go. At 12.44 Eastern, I got the news, and the world got the news that Andrew Wiggins is back. <laughs> yes, sir. According to Adrian Wojnarowski. Golden State Warriors All-Star forward Andrew Wiggins is nearing a return to the team and is expected to be back early this week. Wiggins has missed 21 games attending to a family matter, and he adds huge boost for the defending champs and the sixth seed in the Western Conference. And we got more information on a more serious note from Sham Sharania, the athletic, the other great uh, NBA insider, uh, who reported on why Wiggins was away. And this is why I said anytime the Wiggins topic came up during his absence... I said, first of all, the people that are making assumptions or just totally making up rumors out of a bunch of you know what, shame on y'all. Okay, y- y- y'all, y'all, y'all really, y'all really got some issues for creating narratives that literally aren't even true about Andrew Wiggins. And the second thing I said was, when people are like ah, you know, he's got to rush back. I'm, I'm, I kept saying you don't know what he's dealing with. Well, now we do know what he's dealing with, and yeah, I can understand why he did. Take time off, take 21 games off. Shamsharani tweeted, Golden State Warriors' Andrew Wiggins, uh, first of all, he plans to attend Warriors' Thunder on Tuesday, and the reason for Wiggins' leave of absence since mid-February is that his father, Mitchell Wiggins, has been dealing with a serious medical situation, sources close to the situation say. And Shams adds, the Warriors have given Wiggins complete space and freedom to deal with his family matter. And that could not be more true. You you hear what the uh, organization has said from Steve Kerr to Bob Myers to Steph Curry to Draymond Green, all of, all four. Really the four major spokespeople, them along with Joe Lacob, I believe, of the Warriors franchise, all of them totally back to Wiggins. We're, we're always talking about we're giving him space. When he's ready to come back, then we will welcome him back with open arms. Until then, he needs to deal with a situation that is far more important than any basketball game that will ever be played. So, happy that Wiggins is back. Evidently, certainly we hope his father is doing better. Mr. Wiggins is doing better. Uh, We certainly wish him and pray for continued uh, healing on his behalf. Or for, for him. Now let's get to the good stuff. So... Andrew Wiggins is back, and I saw a stat that was talking about, hey, you know, know, the Warriors, with Wiggins, they're a game over five hundred. Without him, they're two games over five they They're still just kind of middle of the pack with Wiggins. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this also could not be further from the truth. When the Golden State Warriors start, Curry, Thompson, Green, Wiggins, Looney. When they bring out that, starting five. They have a 128 offensive rating, a 106 defensive rating, and a 22 net rating. Their offensive rating and net rating is by far the best in the NBA for a five-man group, and their defensive rating is not too far behind. You say, well, Bryce, you don't win just with your starting lineup. Agreed, you don't. Now what Golden State gets to do is they have a four-man bench. Because benches get shortened in the playoffs. We know you don't play five, six guys off the bench unless you're just crazy deep. Golden State brings a guy who's a threat to go for 30. Any given night, Jordan Poole, who I don't know if y'all been watching, is balling out his mind right now for Golden State. You move Dante DiVincenzo, who's been starting for Andrew Wiggins, back to the bench. He's a defensive stopper. He's a major threat to... You know, to knock down an open three-point shot, he can actually get his own shot to a certain degree down low. The new addition, who it looks like he hasn't missed a day of work in the Bay Area, Gary Payton, second. You get one of the best on-ball defenders, one of the better offensive rebounders, certainly for his size, and can knock down the occasional three if dared to shoot. And then finally, the 20-year-old, the kid, but is looking really good right now and has for the last two months. Just gets better every time he plays. Jonathan Kaminga, who was their first round draft pick in 2021. He's long, incre- not that we didn't know this part already, but incredibly athletic, can jump out the gym, can stay with any of the best uh, c- 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 you know, offensive wing players in the NBA. Again, length. He can make the occasional three. His three-point shot has improved as time has went on. And the best part for Golden State, they are playing chess, not checkers. So, like I said, seeds five through eight. Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, Pelicans. If you look at the standings today uh, in the Western Conference, all four of them are tied in the loss column, which that matters because, you know, some, some teams have three games left in the regular season as we're only six days left. Uh, in, in the regular season. And some teams like the Lakers and I think the Pelicans have four games left. Golden State currently six sits as the sixth seed. And I looked at the schedules for the four teams left. <laughs> and I'm feeling pretty good about the Golden State Warriors' chances to retain the sixth seed. To avoid the play-in tournament. And... Get the clearest path to the Western Conference Finals. Crazy enough, it's the sixth seed that is more coveted than the five seed based on who is there. If you're the five seed, you know what your reward is for fighting so hard the last week of the regular season? <laughs> you get to play Kevin Durant, okay, and the Phoenix Suns, who are just two years removed from a finals appearance. And since K- in every game that KD plays for the Suns, they have yet to lose. They're 5-0, and oh, and KD looks like KD. You know, he's 35 points on 21 shots like he had last night against his old team, the Thunder. I mean, it looks like Kevin Durant. Why should we expect anything different? Not to mention, if you were to survive Kevin Durant, you get the one seed Denver Nuggets in the second round, who are a, a good team to a very good team without Jokic and a fantastic team with Jokic. As opposed to if you're the sixth seed, and in round one, you get the three-seed Sacramento Kings, who are unbelievable offensively, but play little to no defense. They're in like the bottom six of the NBA in defensive rating. And should you get past the Sacramento Kings, you get, in all likelihood, as long as they survive their first-round matchup, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are, as I've detailed many times in the show, I think the last two years have been plenty of evidence for this, better without John Morant. Then with John Morant, and we know the history between the Warriors and the Grizzlies over the past 365 days, safe to say Golden State, the heart of champions, they will not forget that. What Dylan Brooks has said, what John Morant has said, what Jaron Jackson Jr. has said, what the entire organization has said, what it feels like, at least mine is Steven Adams. He, he, he doesn't say anything. He, he understands what's on the other side in the Bay Area. He's like, ah, calm down, guys. They haven't listened. Golden State's last three games. OKC tomorrow, Sacramento Friday, Portland Sunday. Now, I expect Golden State's going to respond. If you saw Steph, DeVincenzo, Kerr after the game were really ticked off after the loss, did not seem happy. I expect them to do what they've been doing all season long at home, and that's win. All they do is win, as DJ Khaled said, in the Chase Center. They'll take care of OKC. Then you've got Sacramento on Friday. Now, that's the tough one. That's the toughest game left on this three-game stretch to end the season.
2: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: A, like I said, Sacramento plays no defense. And B, there's a very, very good chance. If you look at where the Memphis Grizzlies and Sacramento Kings will be at the end of the season. Because Sacramento still has a chance to get the two seed. But Memphis has Portland. Uh, let me make sure. Yeah, Portland, the Pelicans, the Bucks, and the Thunder. A lot of those teams will probably be resting their starters or in the case of Portland, tanking. The Kings will have already had their playoff position locked by Friday. So they'll have nothing to play for. Want to rest their guys, make sure they're ready for the playoffs. Kings have been to the playoffs since the Seattle Supersonics were a thing. Golden State takes care of Sacramento for the record. They don't even have to fly to Sacramento. It's just a you know drive from, from San Francisco to Sacramento, California. It's still you know in the Bay Area. Lakers, Clippers, Pelicans. That's who's all jockeying for those 5 and 6 C's in the West. Because everybody wants to avoid the play-in. Nobody wants to be in the play-in tournament where they could get eliminated with one, or in the case of these teams, in all likelihood, two losses. New Orleans is going to lose twice in their last four games. They've got the Kings, Grizzlies, Knicks, Timberwolves. They will lose two of those games. I don't know if it's the Knicks who Jalen is playing out of his mind right now, how he wasn't an all-star is a crime, but that's neither here nor there. They've got the Kings and the Grizzlies back-to-back. They will drop one of those games, and I expect them to either lose to the Timberwolves, who are trying to fight just to stay in the play-in, or the Knicks. Pelicans will lose two of four. Take them out the mix for the sixth seed. Now it's down to the two LA teams and Golden State. The Clippers, in my view, will lose to the Lakers on Wednesday. I'll probably be talking about that game on Thursday show. It's a huge game of the Western Conference. Huge. They got the Lakers, Blazers, Suns. Now, I think the Suns will also be resting their starters, so I expect the Clippers to win that game. They'll beat Portland because Portland's trying to lose, although Minnesota couldn't do that yesterday. I think they're going to lose to the Lakers, given how the Lakers are playing. And as for the Lakers, this is going to make... Th- th- listen, I am not exactly a Lakers fan on the show. I am a Warriors fan after all. The Lakers fans watching are going to like me today. Just because I'll get to my Lakers segment later in the show. I'm looking at the Lakers schedule, folks. They're going to win out. They've got the Jazz tomorrow, in which they're eight-point road favorites. Uh, Jazz are kind of nosediving a little bit. It feels like they've... They had a a nice run this season, came close to getting the play-in, but it feels like they're just kind of running out of gas. There's too many kids in that team. Lakers understand these, they have a sense of urgency for how big this game is. They'll win in Utah. They'll come home, because that's basically a home game against the Clippers, and knock them off. And then you got Suns-Lakers, finally, please knock on wood, something doesn't happen. Kevin Durant versus LeBron James. They have not faced each other since 2018. It's about time we get that matchup. I've also got the Lakers winning this one. If you look at Phoenix over the last few games, they're struggling a little bit. Not, not struggling to, to win games necessarily, but they've been in close games with kind of beat up teams. They faced the Nuggets. Unlike the Warriors, they didn't just not face Jokic. They didn't face Jamal Murray. And the Nuggets took those guys down to the wire on Saturday or on Friday night. Yesterday against Oklahoma City, good team. Not nearly as talented as Phoenix. Took them down the wire in the fourth quarter until KD made a sensational play. The block on Shea Gilgis-Alexander with about a minute and a half to go to pretty much seal the deal. They're, I mean, they're struggling a little bit in some of these closer, tighter games with much lesser opponents. The Lakers are catching their stride at the right time. With LeBron coming back, Anthony Davis playing the way he's playing and the role players, Reeves, Russell, Vanderbilt, Rui Achimura, who've been sensational since, uh, what's his name, uh, Rob Pelinka made all those moves at the trade deadline. So where does that leave Golden State? In a position to beat the Thunder tomorrow. I believe beat the Kings on Friday. The Kings will have nothing to play for by that point. And then beat the Tanking Blazers on Sunday to clinch the sixth seed in the Western Conference. And that, my friends, is what's going to happen. Just to recap, Pelicans lose 2 of 4, Clippers go 2 and 1, but the one loss coming to the Lakers, and the Lakers went out, meaning the Lakers seemingly improbably probably get the 5 seed if we get LeBron versus Katie in the first round. Sign me the heck up. Warriors at 6, and then we'll see how the plan turns out because you'll have the Pelicans, you'll have the Clippers, you'll have the Timberwolves. And then either OKC or Dallas. Dallas is falling apart right now. But those four teams, and we'll see what happens from there next week. Golden State's playing chess, not checkers. That loss really didn't hurt them that bad last night, as long as they do what they're supposed to. And with Andrew Wiggins coming back, he's not going to play tomorrow, but they can ease him back in, even in the first round. Andrew Wiggins does not have to play 30, 35 minutes. And for the record, hats off to Wiggins. He's he's reports are he's been in Steve Kerr's summit. He's been in shape. He's been working out every day. He's ready to go. You know he you know when he comes back we'll we'll be able to bring him back. Ease him back in. You can ease him in against Sacramento. Sacramento doesn't play defense. Sacramento doesn't play defense. So Steph can go off. Clay can go off. Divincenzo pool uh, maybe Draymond to get a triple double here or there. Lunu get some buckets inside. Kaminga. Gary Payton will swat some people's shots into the fifth row. It may seem dark now, Dub Nation. But rest assured, with the return of Andrew Wiggins, who, again, need I remind you guys, was the Warriors' second-best player last year in the playoffs. Clay Clay had some big games, but Clay was kind of inconsistent. Draymond had some down games, certainly in the finals against Boston. Poole was inconsistent. It was Wiggins, who was that steady 20 points, 18, 20 points, great perimeter defense on Luka and Tatum in the conference finals and in the NBA finals, while Steph's obviously doing what he's doing. Happy times are here again in the Golden State. And yes, we are indeed the favorites not to win the Western Conference. Because I said, I think Golden State can win the West without Andrew Wiggins as weak as the West is. But I'm talking about the whole thing. Somebody's got to come out of the East: Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Gold State on faces, basis any of them except for one. Happy times are here again in the Bay Area. All right, let's see. Uh, great comment here. What's up, Philip? Philip's not in the comments. Love this comment here uh, from me here, my man, because I I, I, I agree with you. I don't think people realize how much better Wiggins makes the Warriors. He makes them deeper, he's great defensively, and he doesn't make stupid decisions. He makes y'all the favorites out the West now. If everybody stays healthy for both teams, it's going to be the Lakers and the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and that will be a seven-game series. I like the way you're thinking. I like the way you're thinking. I really do. We, we, we got we to get a, a Lakers-Warriors-Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. Could we get it? We'll see. Philip. because I think the Lakers match up well against the Warriors this year. I think the Warriors are going to get the fifth seed and the Lakers are going to be the sixth seed. With the Lakers, it all depends on what Anthony Davis you'll get each game, and health is a big concern. It is. And listen, I, I have been as critical as anybody of Anthony Davis. And let me just, you know what? Let's since we're talking about the Lakers, let's just go ahead and move right into the Lakers topic because I did have that scheduled for today. So they beat the the, the Houston Rockets last night, albeit it's the Rockets. They're that's another team that's tanking. Uh, but nevertheless, Lakers did what they were supposed to do. They went to Houston, beat the Rockets. That's now three straight W's for the Purple and Gold, knocked off the Bulls, Timberwolves, and then the, the Rockets. And again, they've got four games left. I personally think they're going to win all four, get the five seed and match up with, with the Phoenix Suns. And I think Golden State's going to win out, get help with the Lakers being the Clippers, and the, well, the Pelicans just need to lose one, but I think they're going to lose two. And Golden State will get the six seed. Like I said last week, when I did, I do a segment coming out of every All Star break, pretenders and contenders, and I had a couple controversial ones on there. Like for the example in the Eastern Conference, I said Philly's a pretender. I don't trust Embiid's health. I don't trust Harden in the playoffs, and I don't trust Doc Rivers in the playoffs. I'm sorry, if their their history is too extensive, and too, you know, marred by some really bad playoff performances. I can't trust them. And I said, Miami, laugh all you want. Do you want to face Miami in the first round? I'm just saying. And in the West, I had three contenders. Nuggets, Suns, Warriors. Stop on Memphis. Stop. They have no experience getting to even the Western Conference Finals, for crying out loud. Should they run to Golden State or the Lakers, I think both will dispatch of them fairly quickly. Certainly exposing John Morant as... You know, a, a defensive liability in that regard. Sacramento, no. Again, to a to a greater degree than Memphis. At least Memphis has been in the playoffs recently, and and can play defense, no question. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a fantastic defensive player. Sacramento plays no defense. Has never been to the postseason, and I think is going to go out in round one against it. Whether it's the Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, anybody. I said the Lakers were pretenders. I said, I worry about if they have enough time down the stretch following the, and I said at the time, and certainly I believe it to this day because I think I've been proven right on this, great moves by Rob Plink at the trade deadline. Getting guys that fit with LeBron, fit with Anthony Davis, and really fit what a championship basketball team is supposed to be made of. Shooters, guys who can defend, guys who are long, rangy, big athletes, You know, guys who can take some of the load. Because Listen, LeBron is in year 20. He, you know, listen, LeBron's still great. He, I mean, he just had a triple-double last night. He's still great, but he is in year 20. Guys who can take that load off of him defensively, Anthony Davis, again, you you question, you cross your fingers, he's cro- he, he, he shows up for you offensively. That's a contender. I didn't think they would be able to get the pieces working in, in the way that they needed to with only a month and a half left in the season. I was wrong. They have. They absolutely have. You can laugh at it and say, well, it's the Bulls and, yeah, you know, the Timberwolves and the Rockets. I'll give you Rockets. They're they're trying to lose basketball games right now. Bulls have been playing good basketball as of late. Trying to make sure they're ensuring themselves in, in the playing tournament. After, by the way, for the first three and a half, four months of the season, Bulls got off to a really slow start. They're playing well now. DeMar's doing his thing. And the Lakers went in Chicago and took care of business. Minnesota is a team that, is also jockeying for playoff position. Minnesota is also a team that's trying to put themselves in a spot where either they avoid the play-in or they get as high up in the seating as they can for the play-in tournament and try and get in the postseason for the second year in a row. That's a big game for both the Lakers and the Timberwolves. And the Lakers took care of business. Went into Minnesota, took the lead fairly early, didn't look back, exposed Rudy Gobert, and won. And then they did what they were supposed to beating the Rockets last night. Again, they're scheduled the rest of the way. They got the Jazz twice, you know, bookend. The the first of these four games, the last of these four games are both against the Utah Jazz. One's in Salt Lake City. One's in Los Angeles. I think the Lakers win both of those games. Certainly the last game because the Jazz at that point, in my view, given how the schedule works, will have nothing to play for because they'll fall short of the play-in tournament. I think they beat the Clippers. Clippers are beat up. Clippers are not playing good basketball whatsoever right now. Lakers are. It's basically a home game, even though the Clippers are the designated home team. We know it's a Lakers town. And I think they're going to beat the Phoenix Suns. I really now that's That's the one I'm a little nervous for, but I think they beat Phoenix. Because the Lakers are much better than the teams that the Suns have faced as of late. This team is deep. This team has great three-point shooting. This team's best player is a guy who, you know, has done this a time or two. Need I remind you, LeBron James at one point went to eight straight finals, has 10 finals appearances in total in his career. Anthony Davis, that's the big question mark. You know, which, if Philip talked about in the comments, which AD are you going to get? Are you going to get the guy last night who dropped 40 and nine? Or are you going to get the guy like against, I think the Orlando Magic a couple weeks ago where he scored like 15? And also the question is, physically is, going to, is he going to be reliable? Again, That's if Anthony Davis is available, and he, I don't even think Ad needs necessarily have to give you forty and and twelve or something like that. If he's a consistent thirty and ten guy, that is not a team you want to face in the postseason because we know what we're getting for LeBron. And I think the role players again fit perfect with perfectly with the Lakers. Ad is the question mark. Darvin Ham's done a much better job now that he has actual basketball players that fit on a championship level team to work with. And Phillips said it in the comments. And I'm going to say it right now. It's February. I'm sorry, February. It's April 3rd. A month and a half from now, we will be talking about a Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers Western Conference Finals. Take that at whatever bank you're at and cash it. Golden State, Los Angeles Lakers, not Clippers. Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. We We get another... LeBron versus Steph matchup. Just like I think we're going to get a LeBron-KD matchup, which means I think the Suns are going out in round one. Should the Lakers get them, that is. Which I think they will. That's the crazy thing. You get the Lakers have been playing great basketball. The Suns are playing great basketball. And there's a chance one of them, by definition, goes out without a playoff series win. I can't wait. This Western Conference playoffs is going to be crazy. Even some of these lower C matchups, whoever New Orleans gets, because I think New Orleans is going to be a playing team, but I do believe they're going to get in the, in the playoffs. Denver doesn't want to play them, and I don't think Memphis wants to play them. Brandon Ingram's playing unbelievable. CJ McCollum is doing CJ McCollum things, 24, 25 points a game. Uh, some of the defenders they have, they've got size with Falanchunas. Like, that's, that's, you don't want to see the Pelicans in the first round of the playoffs either. Like, this is a, a, this is almost unheard of, where, we almost favor. Depending on how the playoffs shake out, I can see a scenario in which we like all of the lower seeds in the West more than the higher seeds. We could like five, six, seven, eight more than one, two, three, four. I'm not sure that's gonna ha- how it's gonna play out necessarily, but I'm just saying it's not totally out of the question. Whereas out East, that th- that's not even. I mean, whoever gets into the eighth seed, Atlanta, Chicago, Toronto, they're going to get dispatched by Milwaukee or Boston. Okay, Philly, I think it's going to take care of Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's going to be the 60. They'll take care of Brooklyn. So I'm telling you, it's going to be a wacky, wacky playoffs. No question about it. Patrick Brown in the comments, again, he's got a Lakers podcast, the Forum podcast. It's a new episode available now on the grid. He says, my Lakers have been rejuvenated. AD has finally realized the sense of urgency and dominating as he should. Philly would lose to wow, boy, that is a prediction. Philly would lose to Miami in five games. Embiid can't carry them, and we all know James Harden is a no-show. Doc Rivers doesn't make adjustments, and it'll be some wash, same the same wash, rinse, repeat in five games. Will gentlemen sweet them, man? That I may pick Miami. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking five games, but okay. Okay, I love the confidence. Patrick, as I said on my Lakers pod, it all starts with AD. Our role players have played solid. Austin Reeves is our closer. I mean, I think I'd argue. He has been as of late. I still think long-term LeBron's your closer. Give him the ball to LeBron James with with the game in the line. I mean, he's got, like I say, he's got the most playoff buzzer beaters of all time. But he's not clutch, right? just want to throw that out there. Jamel says, Matt Barnes said the same thing about the West. The lower seeds may go further than the higher seeds. I can see LA and Golden State being at the end in the West. It almost feels destined. Because the thing is, you know, they faced off on opening night. Totally different Warriors team. Totally different Lakers team, just based on personnel. It, it, almost, it almost feels destined. I said before the year I had the Lakers in as an 8th seed. Even with Westbrook, and it got to a point where they literally didn't have a choice. They had to move on from Westbrook. They did, and they're obviously reaping the benefits of that. I think they're going to be the five seed. I think they're going to jump Golden State. And I predicted that Golden State and the Lakers would face off in the first round. I thought Golden State would be the one seed, Lakers eight seed. But it feels like we'll, we'll we'll get an even better treat. Dubs Lakers winner to the NBA Finals. In my view, to face the Milwaukee Bucks, it just. Although, although, we saw Boston just did to Milwaukee, and Boston, what they've been doing to Milwaukee, I mean, there, there was one game, Boston lost to Milwaukee that, I mean, it was that close, and they didn't play any of their starters, so, listen, matchups dictate, you know, they say styles make fights, in any sport, and certainly in the NBA, this is why, that's what I'm saying, um, uh, not to the extent that Patrick is saying with, you know, Miami potentially winning in five games over Philly, but this is why I think Miami matches up well with Philly. Matchups stick, take fights. And Boston matches up well with Milwaukee. We can say last year they lost because Middleton was hurt, and that very well may be true. But the reality is today, Boston seems to not wake up for games like Washington where they get blown out, and then the next night they face the Milwaukee Bucks on the road and absolutely demolish them. Again, it's regular season. So, you know, we take, take, take that with a grain of salt. I mean, I don't see anyone with who has, you know, knows anything about basketball taking the Kings to go further than the playoffs and say the Warriors or the Lakers. Because, uh, I mean, the, here's the thing about the playoffs. And this is the case, I think, in any sport. I think more so in the NBA than any of them. More so, maybe, maybe baseball, you can make an argument, but certainly over football. Playoff basketball is almost like a different sport. It's like you're playing a different sport than the regular season. It's not in the same game. The pace is slowed down to a certain degree. Okay? Uh, Certainly defense matters a heck of a lot more in the postseason than it does in the regular season. regular season, you can win a game 132 to 130. You can. Postseason, chances of that happening is if you give up 130 points, you're probably going to lose. Badly. So, this is going to be a crazy playoffs. Again, I, I stand by my, excuse me, I stand by my preseason prediction. We are going to get the last two NBA champions in the finals. Milwaukee, Golden State. And I said, if Golden State face, were to get to the finals that Wiggins and face Milwaukee, I honestly probably would have came on the show and picked Milwaukee. With Wiggins coming back, whole different ballgame. Styles dictate fights and how you're playing at the end of the season. I mean, we, we overreact Golden State loses this game against Denver. Golden State's won five of their last seven games. They're playing very, very well. They've got a couple of road wins stacked in there. So, you know, again, back to Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? That was bad. All right, last segment. So we talked about to start the show the women's national title game, which was unbelievable. Yeah, pe- pe- people got to grow up. Seriously, people have got to grow up on the Angel Reese situation. Like, it, if, 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 if some, if her flashing her ring finger, you know, like Steph and Aaron Donald and Joe Burrow did, or like Michael Jordan did, showing the, the six fingers, if it bothers you that much, and then the, you can't see me, if it really bothers you, man, like, you, you, you've got a, you've got bigger problems than just your outrage over this. But be that as it may, LSU. The LSU Tigers are the women's college basketball national champions. And tonight, we will crown the men's college basketball national champions. So, let's get the background music going right now. Get this thing going. All right. So, in the title, all of us predicted, for the record, the San Diego State Aztecs versus the UConn Huskies. Again, we all predicted this. No, nobody predicted this. If you did, hats off to you. Okay, you won a lot of money in Vegas if you predicted this matchup. Uh, but again, in this game, San Diego State Aztecs, UConn Huskies, uh, UConn a pretty hefty favorite minus seven. So, I was first. I'll start with UConn. I was so mad the other night at the outcome of the game. Not not the fact that UConn won because I predicted UConn to win comfortably, which they did. I was two points off of the final score. I said on this show on Thursday, 74-59 UConn. They won 72-59. I was like, dang it. I just made some free throws here and there. Point being, actually, I'll just move back to San Diego State. So obviously you saw that crazy. I didn't have time. We had such a crazy sports weekend. I didn't have enough time to get to the fact that San Diego State won, advanced to the national championship game on a buzzer beater. Uh, it was that Butler kid. Uh, yeah, Lamont Butler for San Diego State. Again, I picked FAU skin of their teeth that close, weren't able to pull it off, would have been the ultimate Cinderella story, but Lamont Butler hits the buzzer beater, for San Diego State, they advance to the national title game, where they face UConn, who, like I said, is, for the most part, dismantled just about everybody they've played, I mean, you look, you look at the term. you look at the, the, the teams, okay, first round they faced, uh, they faced Iona, I actually picked, I, I remember now, I picked Iona, Rick Patino there, I picked Iona to get that upset, uh-uh, no, UConn won by 24, they faced St. Mary's in the second round, 1 by 15. They faced Arkansas in the Sweet 16, 1 by 23. Faced Gonzaga, and this is wine I new. Holy cow, UConn is absolutely for real. They faced Gonzaga. Mark Few, one of the better coaches in college basketball. Game was never a contest. They won by 28. And then they took care of business, did what they were supposed to against Miami, the five seed, and won by 13. What this feels like to me, we like these Cinderella teams. It's it's what makes March Madness so popular. We hear everybody at this time of year singing One Shining Moment. And certainly San Diego State is potentially on the verge of doing just that. But part of what I think has killed UConn to a certain degree, number one, they're obviously very well coached. They've got NBA players in that team. They're long, great shot-making as a whole. But... What I think is underrated about the UConn Huskies is since 1999, they've won just as many national titles. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right. Just as many national titles. North Carolina, Kansas, and one more than Kentucky with three. So when you talk about, and I saw Coach K saying this the other day on a podcast, if people are saying, oh, man, this Final Four isn't as good as years past because it doesn't have a blue blood. If UConn isn't a blue blood, then what's a blue blood? Okay. They've been more successful than Kentucky over the past two and a half decades. And they've been just as successful as a team that just won the national championship, Kansas, and just got to the national championship last year in North Carolina. If they're not a blue blood, what's a blue blood? Is that maybe, listen, like Coach K suggested on, on this podcast I listen to, maybe it's just because their colors aren't all that appealing. Their, their, their colors don't flash on the screen like the the Tar Heel blue or like the, the Kansas blue and red or like the Kentucky blue. Maybe it's because their blue isn't blue enough. I don't know. Maybe it's not good enough for some people. UConn's a seven-point favorite in this game. I think about... 17 minute a 16 minute mark like early into the second half, it'll be kind of a foregone conclusion. Like they just got the better athletes, better coach, and the better overall shot makers. So with that said, I think UConn wins this game fairly comfortably for the second straight game. They win by 13. They beat the San Diego State Aztecs by a final score of 76 to 63 to win the 2023 College Basketball Men's National title. And bring another one back to Connecticut. The UConn Huskies will be your 2023 national champions. And again, th- this is not a national title game that everybody predicted. And certainly I'm hoping, just like everybody else, you hear the old cliche, I just, I'm not rooting for everybody, I just want a good game. Listen, for the sake of my show, for the sake of drama, of course we all want a good, good game. I just think, again, we talk about the NBA styles dictate fights, styles make fights, matchups uh, dictate that. I think UConn. I don't I don't think San Diego State matches up that well against UConn in the slightest. Huskies win the national title in 2023. Got a comment here. Uh yeah, yeah, good point Patrick. He says luckily the coach for San Diego State let his players play it out. That was a phenomenal buzzer beater. And I'm always in favor of doing that. If you're in a position where I think they rebounded the ball with like 10 seconds left when the kid for uh when FAU's best score, forgetting his name now. What's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, uh, John L. Davis. Jo- John L. Davis misses that uh, that shot at the rim, sort of falling out of bounds. They grabbed the rebound. W- was there 10 seconds, I think? Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Yeah, they yeah, with exactly 10 seconds left, they, they, uh, they grabbed the rebound, and then Butler made the jumper at the end. He almost, if you saw an e- angle by ESPN, he almost stepped out of bounds. But like I said, I'm always for in favor of, especially in college basketball, because in college, unlike the NBA, if you call a timeout, you can't advance the ball to the other end, which I kind of wish you could do. I think it, yeah, I don't necessarily want to see two seconds of guys just rushing to get it across the floor, but you're grabbing the rebound just like you would in any other situation of the game and pushing out in transition so that the other team doesn't get to set their defense. They don't get to sort of game plan for what you're going to try and do on the last shot. And again like like you said Patrick, you get the players you get the players get to decide the game on their own, and it was it was, a, it was a remarkable moment like I said before I get out of here, a big shout out i'm I'm a big fan of broadcasters of of any sport like the great broadcasters you know they make it they are telling you a story they are narrating the great story that you are watching on television, whatever sport it may be and the great ones enhance the moment. They make it better. I remember I talked about this with Vin Scully when he passed away last uh, summer. I said what Vin Scully did it was he he took great moments and elevated them. He knew what to say, when to say it, and that's what makes him one of the all-time broadcasters in, certainly in baseball, maybe the greatest baseball broadcaster ever, and probably certainly one of the, one of the greatest overall sports broadcasters ever. Uh, I think in that group, I, I, I'm willing to go out on the limb and say this, Jim Nance is in that group, and Jim Nance will be calling his final – NCAA tournament game tomorrow. I just want to say hats off to the Nance. Obviously, you will still be calling NFL games. and still be calling the Masters, which starts this week. I'm pretty sure. I think I think it's this week. This week or next week. And, you know, it's one of the all-time, all-time legends uh, in the business. So it's it's, it's going to be – CBS did a really cool tribute video. And Ron Howard narrate, narrated it. Uh, and it was like it's, – it's kind of kind of emotional because, like, for me growing up, Jim Nance is the only voice I know watching March Madness certainly in the final four. So hats off to Jim Nance on a remarkable crew covering uh, the NCAA tournament and hopefully get a a lot more great calls in big NFL games and during the Masters. No question about it. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. It's a crazy show. You had the women's championship. You had the the, the pitch clock of baseball. You had my man Wiggs coming back. Lakers playing great basketball. And then like I said, I've got UConn winning it all in 2023. 60. I'm sorry, 76 to 63 over San Diego State. So, like I said, that's all the time here for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the grid YouTube channel, as well as the Carving It Up Live YouTube channel. And be sure to go like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that bigger subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D. The Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. It's a network I'm a part of as well as some people that actually commented on this show. Uh, Patrick Brown, uh, The Chaotic Sports Podcast, and The Forum Podcast. He's a part of the grid. Uh, Jamel Crothers, who writes for the grid's website. You can check that out. Uh, The the link is in the bio to the Instagram and probably the Twitter as well. I'll have to check. But he writes some great, great pieces for the grid website. Be sure to check his stuff out. Uh, We've got Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. Ryan Flowers did a great show yesterday. Clutch Sports Talk. Shout out to Ryan. We've got the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. We've got Alfred Parsar Jr. of the Metropolitan Report. And the Rocky Field Jets podcast. He's more focused on the Metropolitan Report because it is baseball season. He is a Mets fan, and uh, listen, the Mets have got big, big expectations coming this season. So you'll want to hear what his perspective is on all of the above. So yeah, we, we've got we've got some amazing content creators here at the Grid Network. So please be sure to check everybody's stuff out and go subscribe on YouTube as well as wherever you listen to your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts wherever you get your podcast, Have a great week, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. Please call your state senators, representatives. Demand change for gun violence. I feel like that is a very important thing to say in today's America. God bless you all. Peace out. National title game. Here we go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa.